0: You know i think you have to know as an entrepreneur i think you sort of never stop learning and, and improving and and uh you know there's there's a constant constant sort of just you know just constantly learning
1: hey guys welcome to startup hand me downs the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation i'm your host philip kusumu and thank you so much for giving me your time I promise it'll be worth it. I hope you guys are keeping well and staying safe during these crazy, unprecedented times that we are all experiencing. Uh, it's really a crazy time to be alive. Luckily for us, we're still able to meet and interview some amazing founders, virtually of course, and that's exactly what we were able to do today. So on this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to George McCarran, who is the founder of the McGarren Group. So for close to 20 years, George has run a national executive search firm, mostly dealing with executive search and leadership at the C-suite level, such as CEOs, CFOs, and CTO roles throughout Europe, US, and South America. He's worked with startups to some of the largest names in business. And besides from managing his recruitment firm, he also works with executives by helping them take control of their careers and... Branding themselves appropriately when looking for their next move in this episode Joel talks about losing everything in 2008 and having to reset and reinvent himself Which is why he's in a much stronger position today to deal with the current crisis And we also talk about the importance of having a strong personal brand This was a really really cool episode super honest from George and I really enjoyed doing it. So let's jump into the action
0: So George, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Philip, no, I appreciate uh, being here, and it's uh, it's always good to chat with
1: you. So, yeah, totally. So, when you are out and about, how do you introduce yourself to people?
0: So, I guess it depends where I'm where I am, right? But I I usually just uh, a lot of times. I mean, the question I'll get is like, why? You know, it's 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 it's, it's 11 o'clock in the morning or 10 30 in the morning like why are you not at work right <laughs> so, uh, and I've been I've been confused sometimes as being unemployed or just just you know looking for work <laughs> walking around town is that I, like you know, during this period that we're all in or in general <laughs> oh no just just in general okay I, I mean I know sort of I haven't answered your question yet but I would uh but I I've just sort of in odd times of the day I'm just walking around town on my on my on my cell phone and just sort of Sort of walking and talking, right? And working a little bit. But um I just I mean I introduced myself as uh you know, I run run a couple of uh sort of executive level uh, you know, placement sort of businesses and uh and then you know, as a hobby or probably more of a sort of a craziness, I, I run ultra marathons. So that's kind of a, <laughs> when I'm not working. So that's yeah. the that's kind of how I introduced myself. But uh you know, I just you know, I think at the end of the day it's just more about a quality of life issue, right? More than mm more than anything else but I think I'm, I'm more focused on on that piece than kind of what I do for a living if if that makes any sense so. yeah
1: and I'm, I'm yet to do a marathon let alone an ultra marathon so you know one step at a time um so yeah so before we get into kind of like the work that you've been doing for you know nearly 20 years now um talk to me
0: about early life so like where did you where did you grow up so I grew up I grew up in uh I grew up in New Jersey, which is about four miles outside of, uh, at least the part that I grew up in was about, about four miles outside of, uh, New York city. Right. So I, you know, just sort of everything, a lot of, a lot of things that we, that I did as a child was, you know, I'd played sort of basketball in New York city or I'd go rollerblading in, in New York city. Um, but I, I had this, you know, and I know that your audience is there's sort of a lot of sort of startup folks who listen to this, but the, I had this entrepreneurial spirit probably when I was five years old. And uh I you know, I remember being five or six and thinking that everyone in my you know, everyone in my household at one time I noticed that everyone sort of had to use the bathroom at one time or another during the day. Mm. And uh I decided to lock all of the doors, put a little cup, little little sort of plastic cup taped against the wall and charge, you know, I think it was a nickel or ten cents at the time for access to the bathroom. And uh that that lasted for about, you know, in about 25 minutes until my older brother decided just to use a knife and open the door, but you know, sort of, sort of this entrepreneurial spirit, um, then I was older, you know, I started a sort of a landscaping business in the winter, like shoveling snow. And then I realized I could, you know, the same clients that I shoveled snow with, I could sort of get it, get them for the, for the wall, for the fall or the, for the spring. And, and, uh, you know, that's sort of, I kind of grew up that way and you know my 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 family though is a very sort of you know nine to five right go get a job you work for a company for a long time mentality mm. not that there's anything wrong with that but it's just you know i grew up in a very sort of you know where safety was preached over risk right, right. so um, security which i think sometimes it's dangerous and sometimes it's it's useful right to, to have that kind of environment so
1: yeah and I, and I think you know i know we're going on a huge tangent here but like I think the educational system and parents need to be able to do better in terms of identifying what kind of child they have in front of them. I mean, (laughs) you obviously had a hustler's mentality really early on. You know, it's not common knowledge to think about charging for people to use a toilet, toilet, right? So, or the bathroom rather. So, you know, the fact that you identified like a gap in the market and an opportunity should show that maybe a nine to five isn't the right way this person should go. And we shouldn't kind of, program them to do that right like, i don't know uh yeah i think i think you know hopefully as time goes on people are starting to identify that you know everybody learns different and you know the nine-to-five route is ideal for most people for some people most people uh but for the the outliers like ourselves it's it's just not the the one
0: <laughs> well, well exactly and 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 to be fair i mean you know and this is just i'm not trying to sound sort of you know like a different you know sort of condescending here, but. I, you know, as a business person, I need people to have a nine to five mentality, right? Yep. Yep. Because that lets you know, that lets, you know, companies like mine or or you know, or idea, you know, when I mean, you have sort of an idea, it lets folks like yourself be able to be creative and 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 charge for that, right? So there's uh you know, so need to be able to have people that would like to work for you and work with you and partner with you but sometimes you know i mean i think on the other on the flip side a 9 to 5 mentality is good for folks like ourselves ourselves right so yeah. it's uh, but i agree i mean i think as as, as parents and I, I have two two young boys one's 9 and one is 5 the i think education is port, is very important and uh, but at the same time i think you know education comes in different ways right and if you can you know if you've got that sort of entrepreneurial like innately just extremely entrepreneurial It'd be interesting, just you know, to see sort of a case study and, and sort of how that would work for somebody. But I think, you know, I was taught very young, like don't do things that are risky. You know, play it safe. They they you know they tell you X. That's what that then then the, the answer must be X, or they tell you Y. The answer must be Y. And uh, I don't know. I just I think instinctively I just knew that wasn't the really the real me, right? So yeah. that's uh, that's kind of how I started. I um unfortunately I can tell you. So you know when I got to around like 15 years old. I then was sort of like on a normal path of just like, okay, I'm going to go to school and university. And, and I had this idea and, and that's what I did. Right. I went to, you know, so pretty good universities. And then I, you know, ended up in sort of a big four, big four consulting gig. And I was kind of playing it the way I was taught to. And, um, and one day, one day I got a call. I was in New York. One day I got a call from a headhunter or recruiter from a, he was in Miami and I don't know if you've ever been to Miami in January, but kind of yeah, like, Well, so, you know, coming from New York in January, going to Miami in January, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty attractive place to be. And, uh, so I sort of received a phone call and they said, Hey, there's an opportunity. It was a Thursday. You can come down and, 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 and fly and and talk to us tomorrow. I was there by Friday and by Monday I was literally working and living in Miami. Right. So I was like, Oh my God, this is, you know, I've, I've, I've hit it. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, you know, I kind of did that for a while and three months into it, I walk in and it was, a, it was a German, uh, German software company, um, three three months into it. I, I walk in and everybody in the office is just sad, sad, sad. And, you know, I said, what happened? They're like, well, you know, Germany decided to close down the Miami office. We're all out of, you know, like we're out of work. Right? Oh no, man. What, so, what were you doing there? I was a, I was a, I think my title was like financial consultant, but my, my job pretty much was just to talk to. You know, and and sort of structure back then, like Hyperion and SAP and all these things were sort of you know like things were starting to get into the cloud, right? Mm, Yeah, it was sort of like they were talking about this, and uh, you know, instead of using data and having it on Excel sheets and just everything, and um, it was there was a way to access it. You know, like this sounds you know it's so foreign, right? But there was an access access it, you know, somewhere else, right? So that was sort of the idea, and we're helping. Uh, companies implement that right so that was the that was um that was the opportunity and then the next day i know i was like okay you know i'd asked a sort of a colleague of mine like what what do i do And they're like well you can go to, you can collect unemployment and um i walk into the unemployment office right i'm yeah. sitting there and i think i was over i was sort of i mean i think i was just overdressed for <laughs> <office>. <laughs> how, how how old were you we at the time i was let's say so i was i was let's say so I'm, i'll be 45 and, I'll be 45 uh, on Friday. So this is literally 20 years ago. So I was 25 years old. Wow. So okay. it's, uh, yeah. And uh, I, so I walk in and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, like, oh man, like the person next to me, you know, look at this guy and, you know, look at this girl next to the person to the right of me. And then I'm thinking, you know, they're probably, they're probably thinking the same exact thing about me, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, a, what a loser this guy is. Right? So, so that was the like literally right there, I mean, right there. And I, I mean, at the chairs, I remember these like terrible beige sort of just overly used chairs. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'll never again work for somebody ever again in my life. Like, I don't care what it takes. Mm. And uh, because I thought statistically, like, I've done everything I was supposed to do and I'm still here, right? So if if I'm going to take all that risk and still be here, it might as well be on my own terms. And that's kind of when I decided to do to do my own thing. Uh, um, in the meantime, I was like, okay, I need to get a job at least to pay for, it. <laughs> like, I need to figure this out, you know, and I, I convinced a, a recruiting firm, you know, somebody to hire me. And, uh, that's, that's literally the same job I have. I mean, it's the same, it's the same career I'm in now, 20 years later, worked for them for like two or three months. And then it was like, okay, you know, need to do my own thing. And that's, that's what literally what I've done for 20 years. Right? Wow. Wow. So, and so, so I went from, it's, it's, I mean, I went from like unemployed, it's kind of like the, I don't know. It's just unemployed to, 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 you know, have your own business, but it was, it was a total mistake turned into a business model, you know, better said. Right. Mm, Exactly. That's, that's
1: crazy. And like, I mean, obviously, like you said, you went to like some good universities. I mean, obviously you went to like Oxford, Um, you know, you did consultancy, you went to a software company. Why, why not just go and get another consulting gig in New York or in Miami? with, you know, with your pedigree experience, you know, what was the rationale between, I mean, I understand, you know, you need to get money today. So, you know, go to the unemployment office, but was there nothing that said to you, like, look, I've got these skills. I've worked in this space before, you know, like what made you say, okay, I'm going to go into, you know, recruitment or search as opposed to like just getting another job somewhere else? Right.
0: So I think, I think the first thing that was against me was my, my sense of logic. (laughs) That would be the logical logical thing to do. Right. You would just say, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me re sort of reset and then do, do, do this again. So I think I had, I think, you know, positively and negatively, I think I had age on my, on my side, right. Where I was just, quite frankly, I wasn't smart enough to, to realize maybe that's what I should do. Um, I think the second thing was just stubbornness to, to just, you know, my, my, I guess my, you know, my, my fallback was always that, right? My fallback was, if this doesn't work out, I can always just get another job, you know, somewhere else and be unhappy for the next, you know, 50 years, right? Yeah. Doing this. And that was my fallback. Uh, the, and that was, I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, that was my, I think that was my short-term fallback. I think, you know, I, 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 you know, it's sort of, that went away after a while. The, and the other reason was my, my parents and my friends and everybody that I would spoken to told me. When I told them on, on a Saturday morning, like, hey, when this is when I was back in New York, um after interviewing, like, hey, I'm gonna move to Miami on Monday, <laughs> you know, and burn all of my bridges. They all said that it was just a terrible idea, right? It was mm. just a horrible idea. And uh I think it was just I didn't want to sort of prove them correct. Or, uh, yeah. And, uh, pride, pride. I was yeah, it was just a, it was just one of those things where I'm like, you know what, I'm here and uh and I don't I don't know how, but I I made it happen. Um but it was you know, from then on, right, for the first three years, and I'm, I'm not trying to paint this like it was just like a zero to hero story because it wasn't, it was like the first three years was just disaster, right? I went from broke to like broker, you know, and it was just, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it got well, worse. We're going right?
1: well, to, we're going to get into that. So, um, <laughs> so we're, we're going to get into that. So, okay. So, so you've done, you know, finished university, done some consulting, um, moved to Miami, shit hits the fan. Um, and then you go and kind of like, I don't know, test out recruitment for a couple of months. And then you're like, actually, I can do this on my own. I don't need to be here. So what did you do? What did you do first? Once you have left that place and what industry were you working in, in terms of like recruitment?
0: Right. So I, I, uh, and it was the same industry that, you know, sort of learned to do. Right. So I was, uh, it was like, I think I was placing accountants. Right. So it was accountants okay, so like, and like finance. finance people. Okay. Right. Because that was sort of my background. It was just an easy, it was easier sell the problem I had actually was that the the people that I was sort of dealing with, right. So they were usually, you know, like 45, 50, 55 years old, like that was the customer. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the first thing they would say to me would be like, Hey, you know, pretty much. And they were just they were different, 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 different way to talk, but they were like, Hey kid, like, what do you, how can you help? Like you you know, nothing about, you know, this and, and, and business. Like they, they just wouldn't take me seriously. Right. Mm. And uh, that was a, that was a big, big struggle. Uh, most of my competitors right like so the folks I was on the recruiting side They were already they were already on like their second or third career, you know, they were 40 45 50 and uh, It was just a different, you know, it was a different era, you know in terms of and, like LinkedIn didn't exist and you know It was literally you had to like print money um, It would there wasn't you know, it was like an, it was a really old-school approach to business development, which by the way still works today. and this is how um, and this but, is are we talking about your experience
1: working at another company or is this is you in the beginning
0: yeah this is me in the beginning and this is also my experience working at the other company right, right like okay. this is how it was Yeah. In, two, in, in 2000 but the um so i had i had that as a factor which i didn't know i mean I, I literally had the worst if you talk about business plans like i had the worst thought out business plan you could ever like it, it's a, it, it's it's the dumbest way to start a business <laughs> but i can like but i can tell you this like philip like there's a there's something instinctively that tells you like today I'm poor, but tomorrow I won't be poor. Right. Mm. And, uh, I don't know what that was. It was just, it was just, I didn't want to go back to what I knew, which was that, that nine to five, you know, that like yawning and waiting to go home and count like third, today's Thursday. And, oh my God, like one more day left and all of that, thi- you know, sort of that kind of lifestyle. It just, wasn't, it just wasn't cool, you know? Mm. And, uh, the, the one thing I liked, I don't know, the one thing I liked was like, you know, I worked on a Saturday or a Sunday and Saturday felt like Tuesday to me and I kind of liked that. it was kind of cool. Um, and I still had the advice of friends and family, like two or three years into it, telling me like, why are you going through all this pain? Just go get a job. You know, literally that's what I heard. For oh a lot yeah. Of people. I hate when they say yeah, that. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm like extremely stubborn, so I just wouldn't take that as sort of a, an answer. Um, and you brought up, a, you brought up a comment, by the way, about, you know, you've never run a marathon before my, I ran my first ultra marathon at 80. So it was 80 kilometers, um, before ever running a marathon, just because somebody had said to me, I think I, the most I'd ever done in an event was like 10 K. And somebody said like, it's literally impossible to run a 10 K and then train for an 80 K. Like, it's not going to happen. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. when I love it when they say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So you could, you could totally run an ultra. Like there's no question in my mind. Uh, You could run, I mean, you think it sounds absolutely sort of, you know, crazy, but you could do it. It's more about mental strength than physical strength. Mm. And, uh, the person that had told me this, I remember this direct, like distinctly. And my my question was, so like you're saying I can't go from 10 K to 80 K, you know, and he was a, he was a sort of a very experienced marathon runner. My question was, how many, mar- how many ultra marathons have you run? You know, how many you've run? He's like, well, none. Right. So I thought, okay, like, that's not, he's not the greatest source to, <laughs> to trust. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then I, you know, i met somebody else who'd run an ultra and he said, of course you could do it. It's just, it's all in your head. Like you could totally do this. And that was it. Right. So I think, I think our, some, I think we're totally limited and you hear this a lot, you know, in, in different sort of programs, but you know, other people's views shouldn't really be our own if you instinctively feel that you can do something and make things happen then a lot of times they're just sort of you know it's, it's their own fears right like yeah. they're, they're 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 sort of displacing their fears um, you know upon you and it's not always the, the world doesn't work that way no. you know not always not at all and uh i don't know there's there there has to be a dreamer out there right and uh that's kind of my i guess as a as a sort of entrepreneur I'm, that's kind of how i think and, and feel and live right yeah. so yeah Oh, yeah. So so like okay. So
1: so you spent a couple of months testing out the the search space with another firm. You're like, look, I'm, I'm going to do surviving. This. I would say so, I surviving. Okay, surviving. I surviving. And so like once you had left and you're like, I'm setting up my own shop. You, I would imagine you didn't have that many contacts. You're in New. Uh, well, you're in Miami still at like, this time. I was in I was in Miami because I refused to go back.
0: Yeah. Right. Because of just sort of a pride issue. Yeah. Right?
1: So then like how did you go about? I mean like you know my first my first job out of uni was in like search, right? So I did this straight out of uni. Again in the finance space, um, executive search. So like I understand like, you know, building the business, etc., networking, but how did you and th- I did this all in the context of like joining an organization. So I can only imagine starting off with a completely cold desk, right? How did you right. how did you build that book of business? What were the strategies that you used in order to say, look, this is gonna be the first client I get and I'm gonna get this job on and I'm gonna find these candidates you know how did you how did you go about setting off and doing that and creating right. a strategy for that
0: so i I mean i had two i had two strategies right the first strategy was i mean this is really it's a simple thing and and you could you could actually still do this today in some in some sort of and i've done this before as well in 2020 just in a different obviously using technology sort of differently but um there i would just literally read there would always be sort of you know business journals or 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 you know sort of the business section of newspapers right. And there was always, there was always, and I would always read the local section, right? So for me, it was back then in 2000, business was very local, you know. Mm-hmm. So now we have clients that are all around the world, and you know, different industries and different revenue streams. But back then, business was pretty local, at least from the recruiting standpoint, right? From search. And uh, so I, I literally would just, I would, I would buy a newspaper, mm-hmm. look, look in, the, and sometimes I would buy it, sometimes I wouldn't. I was just, I was so strapped for cash, <laughs> um, but, but I would, I would sort of. You know, read some of the local news articles about some of the business folks, write the guy's name down, you know, or write, 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 the, write, you know, write, the, write, write her name down. And then I would go back and, and literally, literally look in the phone book, right? You could look in the yellow pages, find out, find the business. I would wait till about six o'clock, six thirty, seven o'clock to call the business, mm-hmm. which obviously a lot of times folks would go home. So this is so that was then you could literally go through the directory, like the company directory a lot of times. And then I would call the person and mm-hmm. I'd leave the person a voicemail. And the voicemail was always like, let's talk about search opportunities. And, you know, if you're on the market, if you'd like, if you're interested about other opportunities, like give me a call. Right. And, uh, that's what I would do. So that was the first thing they would call me back and I started building relationships. What would happen would be, I would, I would just sort of be sort of a, you know, sort of counsel to them to some extent. Uh, but I would always flip the question and also ask saying like, okay, like, you know, internally, what's going on? Is there anything that we can work on? Or you know, I would say we, but it was really me. <laughs> is there anything we can work? You know, is there anything you know we can work on to uh, from a search standpoint? And that's how I got my first couple searches. And I did that over and over and over. And uh, this was like there wasn't LinkedIn. There wasn't you know. It just it was really I didn't have any money to, to buy to get candidates. You know, like there was you know Monster and Career Builder. I was just it had none of that. Yeah. So resources. when you said you and would... I would just meet, and then I would just meet, I would just meet people for coffee. And then, you know, I would always, I was just super big on asking for referrals and who can you refer me to? And, you know, where do you, you know, who who do you work, where do you work before? And do you have anybody there? Can you make an intro? And it was very, very, you know, it wasn't that, it wasn't that efficient, but it was just, it was, it was aggressive, but persistent. Yeah.
1: When you said you, you would act as counsel to them in what capacity, what were you counseling them on or advising on or sharing your insights?
0: So they would say, "Well, George, like I, I could be, you know, I could be open to an opportunity, but I don't really know. Like right now, I make, you know, I make eighty three thousand dollars a year. Um, I heard there was an opportunity someplace else. You know, if I if I put myself on the on the market, like what what do you think my price range would be? Right, like in mm. terms of that, and uh, oh, so this is cu- know, this is right? purely on the on the candidate side. Exactly. I mean, I think so. This I think this as a, as a business person, this is really important for you to know. And I, I learned this, you know." pretty quickly because I didn't, you know, I didn't have any food in the table. If you really, really worry about your customer or your clients or whoever you're serving, if they, like worry about them first, because that's who they, you know, that's who they worry about first. Usually, um, eventually it comes full, full circle, circle, some, I'm sorry, full uh, circle, right? Mm. So my, my cold call or my cold approach was always about them. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about me asking for business it was more about me trying to help them. And, uh, that's a way more receptive way to get people to call you back by serving their needs and not your own. Right. So it's, um, and I was, I was super genuine about trying to help them. I just knew that if I did that a hundred times, like eventually, you know, I was going to get three or four clients from there and I just needed, you know, I just needed one or two searches, right. To get going. And, uh, that's how I started. Right. It was just, it was a, it was just a lot of hustle and a lot of, you know, sort of dot your I's cross your T's and, uh, you know, little by little, you build up a, you build up sort of a, you know, just a, a list of people to talk to and deal with. And sometimes I had no one, like, sometimes I we, I didn't have it a search and I didn't have anyone to call. And I would just call people to say, hello, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just calling to say, Hey, how you doing? How are things? Can I, if, you know, keep me in mind. Sometimes we would, you know, I mean, I say we, but it was still I back then. Sometimes I would end up with with a new search you know and uh and how did, how did you get did how did you get the, the brands rivers? how did you get the companies to
1: trust you i mean you're a lone wolf you know how did you get them to trust you with these new jobs that my, were going to be super
0: my, high paid? My, my game plan was just to go meet them so i think I'd, you know, i might think i you know i always did better sort of face to face than on the phone mm-hmm. and uh i i just you know i would ju- i would literally go meet them you know and just say hi and that that's what it came down to so um, and you were sending the initial well yeah initial email just kind of like introducing yourself or uh was no. it? like there, there was no like there, there was no, there, like there was there no email, email
1: in 2000 right? jeez
0: no 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 i'm saying in terms of an approach right so it right. was email right but it yeah. wasn't but here's the problem with email is that you have to figure out like how do you get that email right like you need money to figure it out you need to buy like there, you could back then you could still buy data but my approach was my approach was pretty much you know from a just a i would leave a, literally a, a voicemail around six or seven o'clock right on their work number right so th- this is like back then when when folks would have you could literally dial through the directory of the mm-hmm. companies right mm-hmm. just you know I could be like okay I'm gonna talk to Philip Philip wouldn't be around at seven o'clock because he'd gone home I would leave you a voicemail right next day you'd come into work and then you would call me back right because the voicemail was like you know a, a possible career opportunity for you right mm. and uh, so that's how I started once I once I had them on the phone, then I would then I would send them an email with my information right and uh then we would meet up and then it became more of a relationship than just a sort of a you know sort of a sort of a email thing but um, so
1: then how did you when did you say okay look this is going quite well I need to grow because obviously now you know the business you have now is you know significantly larger than just you uh you're doing you know significant revenues you know is it around 10 million annually um so like, yeah. So how did, how did the growth come about? You know, when did you say, okay, I need to get someone else. Um, how did you go about kind of building the team? Were you looking for like an assistant or were you looking for like someone who could be like you and go out and win business and and find candidates? Like, what was your, what was the strategy there around growth?
0: So the, 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 the strategy was, I think we, like we, we, and you know, I started taking on too much work. Right. And, and, and I had to choose between, like one awesome client and, and another, you know, and an, another amazing client. Right. And I thought, okay, this isn't really a smart way to to do it. Um, it, it was more about sort of trial and just, you know, I, I started to, on weekends I would play and I think this is important. I, I used to, you know, I think if you can surround yourself by other people and under other entrepreneurs that have lived it already, mm. it's important because you can, you can, you can forego a lot of sort of, a lot of sort of, uh, you know, but just a bunch of headaches by letting up somebody else just try to teach you this, you know, some of the shortcuts. Mm. So I'd, on weekends, I'd play basketball in Miami, right? It was this awesome place overlooking the the ocean. And all, a lot of these guys had business. they A lot of them had their own businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there was one guy, he used to show up in his, his like, yellow Lamborghini, you know, he <laughs> had like a tech company. And he he thought it was the most asinine thing of me to be kind of just, you know, a solo, now you call it a solopreneur, solo entrepreneur, right? Solopreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. He said, George, he's like, you're always gonna just be by yourself, and there's no way you can grow, and uh, you need to hire people, you know. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't have the money to hire people. And then he said to me, if you don't think you have the money now, you'll never have the money. But like, you need to hire people, right? Wow. And, and uh, so that's what I did. I hired an admin, right? Um, and then the admin, get, you know, sort of took a lot of work away from me. And then I hired a, another recruiter, and then another recruiter, and it kind of snowballed like that. And then it got to the point. 2008 i ended up with 50 people right wow so yeah i know it turned out really well the unfortunate thing about my story there's two things number one i was horrible at spending money right like i was the guy at the bar that would just buy drinks for everybody the people i didn't know (laughs) right right Right. yeah so company cars just just put on the company yeah and it was my own money right but it was just it was just a terrible way to spend your money um And the second thing was all of my clients were banks and finance, you know, sort of financial institutions. Mm -hmm. And from 2000, so in 2008, I went from 50 people to zero. Right. So I was kind of like, okay, this is not good. And I was literally, I was back where I was in 2000. Right. Mm. So, uh, but you know, you, you live and learn. I was able to then create the system that I have now, which I think is relevant to the coronavirus sort of a lot of people are experiencing, you know, some of these things from their, from their business, but I, I put in systems that have helped me, you know, literally today and you know when we're in you know it's april 2020 but it's um some of the systems i put in place back then have helped me now right so So i've got 30 people on the team and you know I, i built it up again but it's a different business model
1: what were some of the mistakes that you made i guess first time around that you know we can talk about the systems that you have in place now but what were what what was missing back then to make it run inefficiently because you know obviously 2008 2008 rather no one could predict oh a handful of people could have predicted what was going to happen, but most people didn't see it right. coming. Right. And it sounds as though had that not been the case, you still would have been in operation. So, you know, what were, what were some of the issues that you saw
0: that were issues that now you wouldn't, you wouldn't do and, and you've changed. Right. So I think the first thing was, I think I was, I was married to one, literally one industry. I mean, I only had clients that were in one industry. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you only have clients that are in a hospitality industry right now, right? Hospitality, or um aviation it's it's a problem right so yeah. i only had literally one industry so that was the so i changed that so i started to diversify in terms of portfolio right and uh lots of different industries lots of different revenue streams so that's the first thing i did the second thing i did was i started to i know some folks tithe you know they, they sort of give money to the church
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, i started every sale that we ever you know sort of completed since 2008 i um i you know we've tied ten percent into an emergency cash fund right, yeah. so you know against the advice of lots of financial advisors against the advice of a lot of smart people it's I can tell you now in two thousand twenty it's nice i you know we've been saving since two thousand eight right wow. so it's that was the second thing so cash flow so but not just cash flow for like three months, six months but like cash flow for like you know sit it out for a couple of years right mm-hmm. so that was the second thing we did. The third thing was i I call it i think it it's probably termed it incorrectly, but um I have a couple of friends that are linguists and they they tell me this is not the right way to phrase this, but I call it you know i think if you could be geographically agnostic right um, where oh i like that i like talk- that okay so it's 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 probably not the right you know <laughs> i get it i get it it's uh, not yeah it doesn't
1: yeah i mean i get it i get it
0: <laughs> but what but, 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 like what does that infer right infers what if if shit hits the fan, I'm not stuck with very expensive rents, I'm not stuck with um, you know, trying to sell 50 computers. I'm not stuck with 50 chairs, right? Mm. And, uh, and I'm also not stuck with the the, the movie. Just the, just the, I mean, just just the expense to move and, and to break your leases, and it's just a. So I think that was the that was the um, and the fourth thing I did was systems, right? So a lot of the systems we use now. I mean, we're we're not your typical customer for Salesforce, but we use Salesforce in our business. Mm. Um, usually, Salesforce is, is for a lot larger companies. Uh, but we've been a sales co- salesforce customer for a long, long time now. And, uh, so things like that. Right. So, but I would say the biggest, you know, the biggest thing was just, it was just cash flow. Like you need to save, you need to save some of the sale. And even if you can't afford to, you need to you need to put some money away so that you're able to do that. And then I would say the, the last last piece was you need to have different sort of, you know, income streams. You just can't have one income stream. Mm. And, uh, Right now we have a, so right, so I'll tell you, so, you know, literally this week we've, we've got our executive recruiting business, right? Which is pretty much on hold like the rest of the world, right? So nothing's going on, not not at our level. Yeah. Um, It's, I mean, it's it's zero, right? So, um, but we have another business, which is branding and, and, you know, resume writing and, you know, and LinkedIn profiles and, and uh, that business is, I mean, it's always done well, but, you know, it's, it's doing really, really well now. Right. So. You have to think about your business, like think about what you're awesome at and break it up into four or five things. You could probably sell those four or five things as different services. And and think about, you know, maybe have one core business or two core businesses, but you know, sort of multiple streams of income with different list risk levels is really, really important, right? Mm. So um that's you know, that's the everybody on my team bonus. I mean, I know March is probably the worst month, but everybody on my team in March bonus, right? So mm. as a business owner, you know, I think it's kind of cool to say that. Um, you know, because there's a lot of people that haven't, you know, at least in March, you know, they had a pretty rough March, 2020, right? Yeah. So, so let's uh, talk about,
1: yeah. So let's talk about the, the ins and outs of the, the marketing slash branding business. you know, what does that look like as a consultancy? Um, because obviously you guys, in addition to doing that, you obviously have your executive coaching business as well, right? Um, so, so talk to me about the branding you know, business. What well, you know? What does that mean? Is it for companies? Is it for individuals? Um, you know, who needs a personal brand or who needs branding?
0: Right. So I, I would say I would say everyone, right? But the uh, that was another sort of mistake turned into into a business model, right? So we had, you know, I had clients on the recruiting side and search side. Sometimes there were candidates, and they would come to me and say, George, you know, I just I just sort of was approached by another opportunity. Um, I need somebody to fix my resume or my CV. Do you know somebody, or can you yourself help me? Right, mm-hmm. and uh, I, the first person I and you were you were in, in search, so you 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 know I'm sure that you you had that question sort of right. I mean, you've been approached with the same question, right? Over yeah, of and over. course. Yeah, and and uh, so the first person I worked with, he was a CEO of a company, right? And I sort yeah, of course I can, I, you know, I'll help you. At the time, I didn't charge him anything. He he ended up C you know CEO of another company, and then he he calls he called me up one day and he said George. You know, I'm going to let go four or five, you know, executives on my team. I right now we use Corn Ferry, right? I'm going to sort of, I'm going to not use them. Do you want, you know, do you want the searches, right? And if, this is for retained, right? So we do retained search now. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want the searches? It's probably, you know, it's probably half a million dollars in business, right? And uh, and I thought that's like sort of when the light bulb went off. I thought, man, that was like that was the easiest business development call I've ever done in my life. Right? <laughs> yeah, just by helping with, with a resume, and I. I, I I said something to him, which he then responded, which that response kind of changed the way I thought about what I do for a living. But I said to him, I, I was like, you you don't need to repay me, you know, in that way. I just did it out of the sort of the, just to be able to help you out. And he, he, he said, George, you solved a $3 million problem for me. It's the, you know, it's the least I can, at least I can do for you is is, is give you some business. Right. Yeah. Um, he then said, I have a friend of mine in the same situation. You, would you like to talk to him? Wow. You no. Know? I was like, okay, and then it, that's kind of how it snowballed from there. So the, the the interesting thing now is that 25% of our recruiting business comes from it, it. It starts from the branding side of the business, which is usually helping guys like them, and you know, sort of, you know, when I say guys, it's sort of you know, men and women, um, sort of, you know, with their their LinkedIn, their CV, their biography. Sometimes they do a board resume. And that's, that's more on the corporate side, right? So now we're starting to get into now the corporate branding where teams are getting their sort of a cohesive message together. Mm. So we're starting to do that for a lot of larger companies. Um, that's more for the, you know, I would say for the, for the, we talked about the nine, the nine to fivers. Um, I can say, I can tell you as an entrepreneur, LinkedIn is an awesome, awesome um, marketing tool and it's a great business card, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like it's, you know, it's like, I mean, what did you do before you, before we jumped on the call today, right? You went on Google you clicked on my LinkedIn profile, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we do. Um, so there's an elevator pitch that you're able to control in terms of telling your story properly without, you know, obviously without the embellishment, you're able to tell it properly. And it's just a great, great tool where you're able to control that message. So I think if you're, if you're an entrepreneur and you haven't been focused on your LinkedIn profile, it, you know, it's, there's a lot of things you could do. I mean, but you need to be able to use that as a, as a sales platform as well, because folks are using that and justifying, should I take a call with this person or not? You know, does it doesn't, doesn't make time for me to, to deal with this uh, individual. And uh, even if it's for five minutes on the phone, right. Or through email or what have you. So, um, but that's how we help people. So we help people. We also on that same, you know, which is a little more include it's a little more in depth than just fixing someone's profile and, and their, their, their storyline. We also help people figure out a strategy, how to end up with their next role, mm. which I think is one of the value adds versus, you know, I, I call them the sort of the Johnny rocket resume writers out there, but, uh, we're able to charge a premium because we're helping them and coaching them and counseling them on strategy and how to land their next role. Right. So we're dealing with people that are making from, I don't know, 300,000 to four or $5 million a year. So they have a, they have that, like I said, they have that $3 million problem or the $2 million problem or the half a million dollar problem. But when you, you know, I think when you have your startup, if you think about your client in that way, you're, you might offer a service. It, that might solve a $4 million problem for them. And I might solve a $10 million problem for them. And I think that's how you need to sort of position your, your product so that they understand maybe your service costs $10,000 or $20,000, or maybe it's $3,000 a month, right? Yeah. For your product. And maybe it's going to cost them $36,000 They're are they, they don't have a $36,000 problem. They might have a $20 million problem. Right. And mm. I think if you position yourself that way, people, people get it right. Yeah. And uh, they understand that kind of, that kind of consequence. So that's how we sell our services.
1: Yeah. And, and so I guess that's how, you know, my next question was going to be around like pricing, like how, you know, unlike traditional, you know, executive search, for example, it's very kind of clear cut in terms of, look, as a business, I'm going to help you find this person whose salary is going to be a hundred thousand. For example, you're going to pay us 20%. We're going to bring you this person. That's the problem. This is the solution done. You know, you pay me for this, right? Um, right. A, there's a clear value. add. There's a clear kind of result that the the client is looking for which is the the candidate when it comes to branding um you know how do how does one quantify you know the the problem and i mean i think you just just articulated just now actually in terms of like a 20 million dollar problem it's going to cost you x um but how does one go about quantifying the problem and the solution rather like the, the end result you know how you know me updating my LinkedIn profile, my resume, my this, my that, et cetera, You know, how do I say, okay, this was a success,
0: right? So, I, I mean, I get that question a lot. From a lot of times, they're either finance folks or, the, or you know, like CTOs, right? They ask George like, how do I, like, what's my, you know, how do I, what's the you know, ROI? Do do yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, right. So, I, I so I, I think the, I mean, I think the honest answer is, I think it's really hard to, I think it's, I think it's hard to to quantify that. It's sort of like how do you quantify if, if going to university, you know, I mean sort of paid for itself or not, I think you could probably say, you know, maybe it did, but you could also say maybe it didn't. Right. So I, I I think in terms of folks that are investing and by the way, our service, you know, it runs from like 3000 to $5,000. Right. So it's not, you know, it's not really for, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a cheaper end service. Right. Mm. Um, But I, I think the way that, Folks can, you know, I think if you really, really want to quantify things, you can see number one, there's usually an uptick in activity. I wouldn't say usually, I, say there are, I would say 90, 95% of the time there's an uptick. Um, number two, and then indirectly, the fact that someone is actually going through that exercise of thinking about, okay, here's sort of the four or five things that I bring to the table. Here's sort of what I'm great at. Here's what I'm not great at. Here's a search strategy that I didn't know that I thought, you know, you know, th- there's, there's three or four search strategies that I, you know, that I have now that I didn't have before to me that's invaluable. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we're teaching folks how to fish instead of giving them the fish. Mm. And, uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, and you and I had spoken about, right. You know, one of the, one of the apps, Blinkist, right. Awesome app. Right. Mm. And, uh, and I think I told you, right. That's, you know, it's the best 90 bucks I spend a year. Right. And, uh, you know, for $90, I get to hang out with all these people like the Bill Gates of the world, you know, and listen to their books right yeah and listen to what they wrote and i get to borrow them for 90 bucks a year and uh i think i think that's the value of some of the service like either using ours or using a coach but indirectly you know it, it it does pay for itself i think it's just hard to literally you know sort of put a stat to it sometimes um the, and had- the other thing is you know i think from a quantification standpoint it's most people most most people would say you know they, they feel better prepared, right. They, they show up more polished. They're 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 just ready to sort of rock and roll. And that's kind of an, you know, I would say an intangible benefit of, of, of going through something like that. But it's, um, you know, we, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I believe in this, I believe in the service, I believe in the product. And I guess the question is like, how do I, how do I price it? How do I know it's not $10,000? Why do I price it for $4,000? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And I haven't, I mean, I, you know, I wish I could say I figured that out, Philip, but I haven't. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's uh i'm still learning i mean i I know 20 years of business but i'm still learning how to run a business and i'm still learning um how to price things and i'm still learning uh every day right so that's the one thing i think that you know i think you have to know as an entrepreneur i think you sort of never stop learning and, and improving and and uh you know there's there's a constant constant sort of just you know just constantly learning how to price things but that's you know, me personally, I, that, that, I mean, I, my, I, we're pricing it based on what, you know, we, there's a percentage of people that say yes to us and a percentage of people that say no, and we, we keep stats on that sort of KPIs. Um, and we just keep on, you know, as long as there's, there's value, then, uh, you know, the price quite frankly, keeps on going up as long as there, there has to be demand as well. Right. So yeah. it's uh, obviously somebody makes $30,000 a year is just, you know, they're not, they're not going to pay $4,000 for the service, but somebody that makes, you know, a million dollars a year, um they'll, they'll take that service a little more seriously. And it's, you know, it's accounting firms, by the way, price, you know, very similar, right? I mean, you'll, you know, there's, I spend more as a, I spend more, you know, on accounting services than I did, you know, in 2000, right? Right. So it's just because I have more to lose, right? Yeah. So I think that's what it comes down to. So, um, no, I think that's most, yeah. So,
1: yeah, no, I think that's good because I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs when starting out, especially when it comes to offering a service such as you know, like a consultancy business, ultimately, where, like I said, there isn't a direct product and end result at the end of that transaction. But there is something, like you said, teaching people how to fish as opposed to giving them a fish. Right. So I think a lot of people are quite insecure about pricing. And I think pricing comes up quite a lot, um, kind of like for early stage entrepreneurs. Um, and consultants and people who do have a service and an insight that they can sell, but they just don't know how to price it. So I, I think it's quite encouraging to know, you know, someone of your stature after 20 years, still kind of figuring out pricing and, and, you know, saying there is no definitive answer or, you know, quick fix to how it goes. It, I guess it comes down to like feeling and, and what you, you know, how you can cover your your costs, et cetera, and just what makes you feel more comfortable. Um, and I guess it's a conversation pace to pace. as well. I can tell
0: you, I mean, here's, here's, I mean, now that I think about it, here's one stat that we do track and I, um, and this is how, you know, if your pricing is correct or not. Uh, and well, you can, this is two things. I think you can see if your pricing is correct as well as if your product is correct. Um, we track every year, what percentage of sales come from referrals. Right. And, and, and these are referrals just that they just randomly come to us, right. Without us having to ask for it. And, uh, that's the one number I look at weekly. And that's the one number I look at every year. I'm like, okay, I need to get that number up, get it up. And my, my game plan is always to get that higher, that number higher than it was last year. Uh, Right now on the branding side of the business, 40% of the people that that work with us come from a referral. Right. Wow. And, uh, that's good. And we've continually we've continually, you know, increase the pricing. Right. So I think that's a great metric. If you want to know if your pricing is correct, if you're still getting referrals at a higher end, you know, higher end price point then you could probably, you know, you can, you can, uh, continue to increase pricing. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, that's a great metric. I think like referrals are the, are the, and, and we also track what percentage of, um, what percentage of referrals that we actually close, right. And that become new, you know, new customers mm. and it's something like 90, 97% or something, wow. you know, it, it's pretty much, it's guaranteed if somebody refers their friend to, to us, that they're going to work with us. So, uh, it's, it's, and, you know, ours is a complicated, like we're asking for the money up front as well. So it's not as, it's not an easy, um, that, that yeah, was you a, do a retain oh, that was No, no, I'm talking about, so I'm talking oh, about the, the, branding the branding. side, side. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. On the branding, on the branding, we, um, on the, the branding side, we're asking for the money up front. Um, on the retain search, we do ask for, um, you know, 50% and then the other 50% upon completion. But on, on the, on the brand, going back to the branding side, initially I was so afraid to sort of, you know, charge people for this. And I I don't know why it was more of a, I think it was sort of a something internally. Um, I would say, Oh, just pay me when I'm done the project. Right. You know, and I would do the work and then I wouldn't get paid. Right. Wow. And, and then I started with, okay, this doesn't work out really well. You know, it's like, or people, people would just sort of disappear, you know? Mm. And, uh, like at that last stage, they would just go away. And, um, then I started with, okay, let's do 50%. Let's do 50% you know, right up, you know, upon completion. So I do that and they would do the work. They would do the work to do work. And then the same thing would happen. The last part of it, they would just disappear. Right. Wow. And, uh, and I, then I decided, you know what, let me, I'd rather lose clients, but let them pay me up front. And I started to do that. And, uh, I mean, I, this has been like six years now, literally, I mean, I just, I like, I won't work with somebody that want to do 50% or, you know, it's, you need to have faith in your product. And you need to also understand, like once you get the business running a little bit, you need to, to have, you need to know that your product is good enough that you can say, you can actually turn down business. Right. Mm. So it's a really important thing. And I think, you know, and you'd be surprised how many people say, George, can I pay you 50% now and 50% later? And I tell them, listen, that's not really like, that's not our model. You know, you'd be surprised how many people actually say, you know what? Yeah, let's just do it. Fine. Let's do it. Right. And, uh you know, it's, it's, there's not really, you know, I'm not really having to convince them, you know, in a really hard way. Right. It's a pretty soft sell. And, uh, but I think that's the other thing I had a hard, hard time, like collecting the money was a hard problem for me. Right. Mm. Like I was almost embarrassed to collect money for my clients, which, which didn't really make sense either. You know? So I think if you sell a service, you know, like, you know, collect your money. Right. I mean, that's, you you know, you, you need to, the, the more you can get paid and the more money you can collect, the better you can help other people, you know? So it's like, it's just a, it's um, payment allows you to help more people, you know, and that's how I see that. So that's fascinating uh,
1: that, you know, yeah. even after all your years in business and, you know, success, you you still, you know, it was something that you struggled with. Right. That's a and you can only imagine what it's like for, you know, the new entrepreneur who hasn't had, you know, previous success or, you know, even any leverage in what they're trying to sell at the moment. It, it, it's, you know, it's, it's quite tricky, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's very tricky. The, and I, and I think and the words, I mean, you know, success is a really sort of cruel word sometimes. Um, because I think like right, right now my work schedule, there's a, you know my work right now I'm working Monday. I work Monday. I mean, I work Monday to Friday. Um, but I work from, so my morning is pretty much, you know, I get up around four thirty-five. I do, you know, do, I do a bunch of exercise, you know, eat some breakfast. Sometimes I fast and things like that, but eight o'clock I walk to work. Right. So I usually work from like 9 a.m. to about 11 a.m. So mm-hmm. I work about two, three hours a day. It's kind of the idea. Yeah. And then I go home and eat lunch and, you know, and do my thing. Like, but I'm pretty much, we're, I'm pretty much now working two to three hours a day. Right. Yeah. So, and we you know, I made that comment about people think I'm unemployed because I'm always walking around town and, you know, they think I'm <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, but it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, when you see that guy walking around or like a Tuesday, you know, he's like, what does he do that he can just hang out? Um. The part you didn't see was, you know, me being broke for three years. Right. Or me losing two houses. Right. Or you didn't see me, you know, going to bed, just totally stressed out. Right. For the first couple of years, You didn't see me go from, you know, 50 people to zero and trying to to figure out how do I rebuild this with no money. And, uh, you know, so success is a weird word, you know, it's kind of a weird, like cruel, um, I've now come to realization you know, that it's just part of the cycle. So, I mean, you know, right now I'm in a winning stage, but if I start losing again, then, you know, I'll just get get up and do it again. Right. Mm. So it's just part of the, it's just part of the process. But I think the idea is just to, you know, the, the more you lose, the more you will win. Like, it's just the way it happens, you know? And, uh, you won't find one entrepreneur that's done well for themselves that hasn't lost, you know, almost as much as they've they've won. Right. I mean, yeah. it's very few cases, yeah. but you learn a lot from the losses, like a ton of stuff from losing and i think it's a really really important thing that as an entrepreneur you need to be ready to lose like be ready to lose and uh you know just try to just try to improve it to process a little you know maybe better than it was yesterday and it's almost like learning a language right where yeah. if you're better today than you were yesterday then you know things things could be good for you so
1: yeah and um i guess without giving away too much of the source <laughs> um how can you know, what kind of tips do you give to people who are working on improving their their personal brand or their brand or like, you know, like I said, obviously you charge, you know, significant amount of money for this, but like a high level view, what kind of things can people do to improve their, you know, brands, right? Their
0: personal right, brands. Right, so... No, that's a great, it's a great question. So, I mean, I, and I, and I speak to you about, I mean, I'm kind of an, I mean, in terms of Instagram, I'm not a great expert, but in LinkedIn, I've got 30,000 contacts. I've been maxed out forever, right? Six, seven years. Yeah. So I think I'm an expert. It's an expert on LinkedIn. Um, in terms of link professionally, LinkedIn, uh, there's a couple of things and I don't mind telling you, you know, just, you know, sort of what I would do. you know, number one is I think even like a basic thing, like in the about section, you can put, you know, your own contact information, like even an email or even a phone number. So if somebody needs to reach out to you for an opportunity or just networking sort of up, you know, sort of moment, they can reach out to you. The, I think the first piece is obviously make it truthful. Right. So you know, like, you see people that pretty much say that they invented the internet, like on their LinkedIn profile,
1: Mm.
0: like a bullshit LinkedIn profile is not going to get you very far. (laughs) I think number one, make it true. You know, I think number one, make it truthful uh number 2 take the time to to connect with a lot of people not just people that you know in your own industry um and this is really important so linkedin is an seo i don't know if you've noticed about linkedin but linkedin is 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 all about 6 degrees of separation it's it's a it's a large seo right yep yeah so if i'm looking for somebody who's an expert in i don't know let's say i'm looking for somebody that's that's you know all, you know in, in an expert in raising series b funding um, it's it's based on search criteria right it's just the way same way google is so the more content you have that on your linkedin and the more contacts that you have on your linkedin the the more searches you'll show up on right yeah yeah. so so number one you'll show up in more searches secondly the more contacts you have on linkedin the more people you have access to in turn when you when you're going to look for other data as well right so Mm -hmm. i think the second thing is you know you try to get a couple thousand people on LinkedIn as contacts, right? And the fact that you don't know them or they're not in your own industry, it doesn't mean you don't have to be that obsessed about it. Because I will give you an example, right? My, my wife, she's right. She's she's a stay-at-home mom, takes care of the kids, right? You probably, I mean, like in your case, Philip, you probably wouldn't connect to her, if you know she doesn't have LinkedIn. But if if she had a LinkedIn, you probably would not connect to her um, because you would say, well, she's a stay-at-home mom, like she's got nothing to do with the startup environment. She doesn't, you know, like she's just really her and I have nothing in common, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that she's married to me, right, then it becomes interesting, right? So it's that whole six degrees of separation. It's really, really important. The more people that you can connect to, the better off you are in terms of searches. And I think I get something like a thousand views a month on my LinkedIn or 1500 views. It's something wow does a lot, a lot for LinkedIn profile, right? Yeah. And uh, that's without me doing anything, right? So it's 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 the the power of numbers. LinkedIn is a great great thing. The one mistake I see a lot of people say is, oh, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only connecting to 300 people because I don't want I don't connect to people I don't know, right? Mm. It it's that might work for, for like Facebook, you know, but I think from a business standpoint, you need to connect. To, you know, if you can if you can get 30,000 people, connect to 30,000 people. It's uh, we've I've literally you know like you know I've I've made. And like, you know, millions of dollars for my, for my company, because my LinkedIn profile is pretty much at its max, right? Yeah. Like I know that for a fact. So I think it's a big, I think it's a big, big thing. The, um, the other thing is, it's just a, you know, like you can, you can reach out to people once you're a first connection with these people and folks, you then have their contact information, which is their email. You mm. can then email them. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's uh, people check their email more than they check their LinkedIn as a stat. And the other thing is a lot of times their phone numbers are actually inside the LinkedIn. Once you're connected with them, you can text them, right? People respond to a text in seven minutes versus seven hours an email. Wow. So it's it just depends. Like if you get out of your comfort zone, you can really use LinkedIn to make to build a really good business, right? You just have to get out of your comfort zone and and create concrete relationships. But take you know if you can get it from LinkedIn and and get it on the phone, and then you know the phone becomes a meeting like a face to face. It's it's. You know, it's pretty much game over. Well, like an interview, like a podcast interview. I mean, like it can be Yeah, anything, exactly, but, yeah. exactly, right? But so, like, Philip, so you and I, so, like, we haven't met each other face-to-face, right? But, like, it's pretty much game over, right? Like, one, if you and I meet, let's say I'm in London or, you know, or you're in New York, right? We meet face-to-face, right? The, the end game would be face-to-face, right? So yep. we, you and I eventually meet. We have a drink. From then on, it's like from then on for the next twenty years. I'm referring everybody I know to Philip, right? And mm-hmm. you're, and Philip's referring everybody he knows to George. Yeah. And that's the, or when there's a business problem that Philip, you know, needs to solve for his client, he'll he'll he'll, he'll think about George because he met George for drinks in New York. You're in London, right? Yeah, that's and, it. Uh, forever, forever. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. So I think the long-term play, the long-term play is keep you know make maybe you know, meet, meet meet folks electronically. But eventually, you need to get to some sort of physical, you know, like face to face, if you can, and uh, that those relationships go on literally, you know, for the for the lifetime of, of of your you know your business model, right? So, it's um, you know, I think that's the I think a lot of the younger folks like they miss that part. Mm. They just think, okay, I'm going to send an email, I'm going to hide behind the email, and then they never get to the face to face. Like the real money and the real value and the real opportunity is all face to face, right? Mm. Like that's that's the reality. That's the goal. And that yeah. hasn't changed yeah, like that hasn't changed for literally literally a hundred years, you know. And uh, there's a great book. It's 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 like a hundred years old now. It's called Think and Grow Rich, right? But no, yeah, Napoleon he yeah. the book. He talks a lot about it. Talks about a lot of principles, but you know, it's there's a lot of it is a relationship game, and uh, you know, you can't build a relationship like you're not going to date and marry somebody just be email, right? Like you need to meet this person physically to actually. I mean, I'm sure there's cases out there, but the majority of people who have successful marriages or successful you know successful relationships. Have done it because they met people face to face, right? So, it's um I think you know business is exactly the same way. It's just a big, big relationship math problem, right? So
1: yeah, absolutely. No, uh, George. Now I want to work towards uh, wrapping up now. So I ask a few, I ask all my guests rather uh, some rapid fire questions towards the end of the show, just to get you know their insights on a few things. Uh, so, what has or who has been your biggest inspiration?
0: Ooh, and I have to answer as quickly as possible. Go do I, do I Uh it, it
1: has to be a quick answer, but it doesn't have to be
0: thought of quickly. <laughs> oh, big, uh, biggest. Uh, man, I don't, I don't even know. I mean no. It's it's a great. I, you know, I don't mean no. I mean, you might want to ask me that again because I'm going to think about it. it's, uh I, I don't know. I mean, that's a great question, but like, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Isn't that? A terrible no it's not it's wit. not
1: maybe you, it's yourself maybe you are your own biggest inspiration maybe that I don't no, know I no no I mean, no, no uh. I'm not that <laughs> <laughs> um okay yeah, yeah. what is your favorite podcast
0: oh my favorite podcast uh besides yours i'm I'm a fan of uh I, I think anything that Tim Ferriss puts out there yeah. I, love. I think he does great love, stuff love Tim Ferriss and, yeah and uh yeah he's got I I think it's really really interesting I think from a marketing standpoint he's just like he's done a really good job of just being himself, so I'm, I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan. So yeah, um, favorite blog. Favorite blog, uh, and I'm gonna. This is not sound terrible, but I'm gonna also say Tim Ferriss. Like he's got a great blog. Yeah, as well. for what we uh, yeah. Uh, favorite book. Favorite book. I'm a fan of. Uh, I'm a fan of. There's one book called The *E Myth Revisited* by Michael Gerber. Mm-hmm. Um, why most small businesses fail. Right, it's a great book. I think it's one of the bo- most. You know. Sort of, I think it's one of the most popular books ever sold. Right? What's it called? Uh, about business. It talks. So um, the E Myth Revisited: Why Most Small Businesses Fail. It talks about talks about delegation and working on your business, not in your business. Right. Mm. And it's, it's actually great for the sort of solo entrepreneur that doesn't want to hire people and why that's just a terrible idea in terms of growing your business. Right. So that's a it's a great book. So that's, that's one funny. of my favorites and uh, my. Work my work day is actually based around the four hour work week, which I decided to do a sort of a you know, initially it was a four hour work day, and then I cut it down to two hour work day, right? So that's yeah. all my businesses are based around you know that book, right? About delegation and and uh customer service, and so those those two books,
1: yeah, no, that's great. I love I love the four hour work week. Um, favorite
0: Instagram account or Twitter account, favorite, I. I don't know if this is I I don't know if there's there's a guy, Grant Cardone. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I love Grant Cardone. 10 X rule. Yeah. Yeah. I just think he's done an awesome job in, uh, like he's, he's done an awesome job in in the way he manages his social media. Yeah. And, uh, like he sells to a different kind of audience, but I think you can learn a lot of, we've actually implemented a lot of programs that he kind of, like he'll hint to things that they do. And, uh, we've kind of tweaked it a little bit. We've, we've made quite a lot of money on some of the advice he's given. Wow. um, but I just, think it's, I just think it's an entertaining Instagram account uh, to follow, right? Yeah, it's so. so funny. Uh, what do you wish you could do that you currently can't do? Um, so, I'm, which I'm working on, I I'm going to learn how to fly planes, um, two seaters. Nice. And uh, I was supposed to be doing that starting March, which has kind of been postponed. <laughs> yeah, of um, course. So I'll, I'll start to I'll start to do that. I. And the second thing, which I would love to be able to do what I can't do, I have a fear of I'm, I'm not great with blood and uh, I'd love to be able to, like I literally faint if I see blood and I'd love to be able to not do that anymore. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: that's a, that's, that's a
0: good one. Uh, what advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? My 21-year-old self, um, don't think too much about how to sort of run your life or run your business. Just enjoy the people you meet uh, and save like seventy percent of all the money you make, because you'll need it later on when you're when the shit hits the fan. Yeah,
1: that's good. Uh, if you had a hundred dollars in your favorite city,
0: what would you spend it on? I'd probably uh, walk into a bar and buy, you know, sort of uh, you know two or three people next to me a bunch of drinks and just meet them and see what their story about, and that probably just to talk to them is probably what I would do. Nice. Uh, what's the one
1: thing that startups should ignore in the early days? Advice from their parents
0: who've never done exactly what they're trying to do. Just parents or like anyone <laughs> that hasn't done exactly what I would they say, to I would. to well, do? I would say parents. I think parents are the, you know, I would say parents. Um, it's a lot of times, like, you You know, your parents don't understand what you're trying to do, right? Like, maybe they did something else, but it's just a different environment, especially mm. in the startup. And, you know, it's a different, like, bootstrapping and things. It's, It's. Um. they're just, I would say, you know, ignore the advice from from your parents if you can about starting your own business
1: that's good um and what's your vision for you know for your company what's the vision that you have for you know
0: right the, so the it's um i've got there's, there's two right one is to go like how do we go you know from like 10 to 50 right that's one vision um the other vision is just to keep it at 10 and and then just build four or five of these right and do different things right mm. so that's the other thing too so i don't know i mean it's like a different different uh I'm at a different part of, I guess, my life in terms of the, the quality of life. I'm more focused on quality of life than, than just the, the quantity of, you know, mm-hmm. of uh, of what I bring in. So, uh, it, it, you know, it's more about that.
1: Awesome. George, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was amazing. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, where can they find you?
0: So they can, they can. So I've got a LinkedIn account, obviously, right? So it's just, you can just look me up under right, George McGarren, which is MC g-e-h-r-i-n you just literally put in, in in the uh the search criteria and linkedin you'll find me there the the other thing is and this is you know if they're interested in talking about either you know marketing how to market their business and and, and go after c-level sort of folks for from a business development standpoint um if they're curious talking about career related things or just you know just to you know make an introduction to me they could literally send me a text right and uh this is my, my team manages this, but I'll see it. So it's just it's an American American it's a US number, but it'd be it's it's plus one two one two six five eight zero eight zero one. Just send you know send us a text and uh, with your name and, and your story and, and we'll set up a call and see if you know we can work together. So could you say, can you say the number one more time? I'm sorry, so it's plus one. Yep. So it's an, right. Two one two six five eight zero eight zero one.
1: Awesome. The I think that's the first guy someone actually gave out their number on the show.
0: Uh, which so text yeah, is a great, yeah, text is a text is a great way it's to powerful. get people. It's the most powerful. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a it's it's better than any other form, I think, and it's direct, right? And people respond quick, quickly, right? So, you know, as a as a it's a great tool to use from a business development standpoint too, and just to be able to market yourself and uh, and meet new people. So
1: definitely, George, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Phil, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, bud.
1: just want to say another huge thank you to george for coming on the show and sharing his experience with us i found that super insightful and i hope you guys did too As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave us a review on the Apple Podcasting app or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. They honestly do go a long way. Until next time, guys, keep grinding.